Welcome to Nairobi Chapel Embakasi. We grow deep to reach wide. And then my desire is to share from a point of experience something that I'm going through or I've been through and I guess maybe something that would all be able to relate to. It's been a difficult year, as you said, Aleki. Um, for us as a family and also as an individual, we've lost so many people in our family. In fact, I remember just about two weeks ago, we buried four of our relatives. They died in a road crash in Limuru. They were going for a funeral in Akuru, then you know, they had a road crash somewhere just past uh, Limuru. Then same week, we are also laying to rest one of my uncles who had died as a result of COVID. I mean, it's even at one point where we had almost like every week, we are burying someone. It's been a huge burden. It's been a moment of sadness. And I guess a lot of us have experienced that at one point. You can attest to that because either you're getting an invitation to join a WhatsApp group where you want to lay someone to rest. Guys are fundraising for somebody who is in hospital. It's been a difficult last two years. And it was so profound for me this year in March where I walked with one of my cousins very closely. Um, he'd just been admitted at Aga Khan and, um, you know, he's just been at the ICU. And two weeks later, three weeks later, actually to the fourth, going into the fourth week, which was on a Monday, he had just been diagnosed as not having uh, COVID, and then that evening he passed on. Just very young at the age of 45, and the preceding Friday, the mom died. So it was like a double tragedy. And the mom was in Kitale, in the farm, and so she was wondering, you know, people go to hospital and then they get discharged. So what's this story all about? But because they wanted to protect her from, you know, the emotional burden and, you know, anguish that they would go through, they just told her, you don't have to come, but the guy is okay. But that was quite an experience for me because I've never been shaken in my life like that. Having lost a mother about like three years ago, that's the closest, I would say, I've ever experienced death in my, you know, my family because my dad died when I think I was about a year old. So it really shook me because this is one person I was with on a Sunday. Of course, I couldn't, you know, interact with him because they had all these uh, barriers, you know, the glasses and all that. But then he just, you know, improved. And then in just a matter of moment that night, his body organs failed and he died. And I started asking myself many questions because that whole issue became so real to me. And so when I was preparing for this, I just thought, what would be then helpful for us to think through as we come towards the end of another year? We were just thanking God a few moments ago for the third anniversary. We're thanking God so much for what he has done in our lives and all that. And it just came to my mind to talk about time and seasons. Actually, one of my favorite albums of all time was by commission. It was called Time and Seasons. Sorry. So um, I thought about Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verses 11. It's a very familiar passage of scripture. Uh, it's been quoted off 
off, on, off, on, you know, depending with the context where you find yourself in. So the race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong. Nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. Especially this particular, you know, sentence at the end where it says, by time and chance happen to them all. I guess it's something that we keep reminding ourselves and we've been taught and we've been talking about it in many conversations that we have had. The truth is, all of us here as we are seated, the benefit that we have, there's something that equalizes us. is the fact that God has given us generously 24 hours in a day. Whether you're talking about the Pope, you're talking about Eliud Kipchoge, you're talking about the President, you're talking about celebrities, all of us, the only thing that we have in common is 24 hours. It's basically the gift of time. That's what God has given us as the equalizer. We're all unique because God has created us in very unique ways. We have a different destiny. We have a different purpose for our life. We have different backgrounds from where we come from, different experiences that really make us who we are today. But the one thing that really makes us all equal is the 24 hours in our lives. And it's so interesting because I'm thinking about this. Even the people who are so like celebrated in our society, the Jeff Bezos, the Elon Musk, all those guys, 24 hours. And I just thought to myself, when we had that conversation with you at the restaurant just across the road, he was asking me, how does it really feel to be 40? <laughs> you know, to have the big 4-0. It's a very scary experience, I know, for most people because there's a certain reality that dawns on you that, hey, by the way, come to think of it, I'm no longer in my 30s, I'm no longer in my 20s. There are things I can't risk anymore. Certain things change. You get a very different perspective. But this is, I think, a th thought process that I had from even as far as five years ago. And when I went through an experience with my mom for just about seven months and, you know, she was okay in seven months, she's passed on. It just made me realize how life is deceptively brief. I mean, if there's anything the COVID pandemic has taught us is nothing is eternal. Everything has a lifespan. It's got a shelf life. And at one point, it will expire. And there are challenges that we might just encounter in the course of life, regardless of how well we plan. You guys had a plan for 2020, right? You had a plan all laid out and everything. Then all of a sudden, our lives are disrupted. In the course of that, the people who've lost their lives, the people whose, you know, financial status has changed. You know, so many things have changed significantly for a lot of people. And that's just about the reality of life, that we may just have plans, but we might not really have control over the outcomes of those plans. And that's why actually now we get to that point where really that dependence and reliance on God makes a lot of sense. And I just thought about it because just took looking at time, I mean, really, my 40 years have passed on like that. Zimesha, it's gone. 
they'll never come back again. That's the reality. And if you look even at just people's lifespan on average, I mean, people are doing about 60, 70, they're doing about 80, and something like that. So you would say that probably I'm at the halfway point in life. And when you have that realization, your priorities change. You know, things that ideally would really trouble you at some point, things change. You have a paradigm shift. Your thought process change, changes. You know, your ambitions and your desires, they change. And I guess you can all attest to that because 10 years ago, you were 10 years younger. And your perspective then was very different. I mean, we got married the same year. That was our major preoccupation at that time. Just getting a fantastic wedding and all that. Over the last 10 years, a lot has changed. And that's exactly what will happen because 10 years from now, you'll be 10 years plus. You'll be 10 years older. You know what I mean? By the grace of God, we have no control over our lives. Even in fact, sometimes when I hear people saying, E2022, E2022, you know. <laughs> and I remember that it is God who makes known the end from the beginning because, you know, my times are in your hands, even as David says, you know. God, my times are in your hands. So it just made me realize that we have such an opportunity, by the way. God has so blessed us with the gift of time. You know, if you'd remember somebody like DJ CK, I mean, he did incredible stuff in this country and even beyond. But even at the time now he was in his deathbed, when he was going through those periods of, uh, you know, being treated for cancer and stuff like that, even his confession at that time was very different, by the way. I think even at one point he said that, uh, you know, he acknowledges God and stuff like that. He was never more pronounced about this when he was very healthy in his times. I've met him personally, and from that engagement, I think twice, very good-hearted person from those initial interactions. But when he was at his deathbed, there's one thing actually I was asking myself. If it was to ask God for something, what would that be? Is it another billion? He'd got the billions. Is it the titles? Is it the fame? I mean, all those things he had. But there's only one thing that would have asked God is, just give me time. If you meet anybody who's at that point in their life, that's what they'll tell you. I just want a little bit more of time. And I'm asking myself at this point, because you're coming towards the end of 2021, and I just want to pose this question to you guys. Have you valued this resource, this commodity that God has given us? Because it's perishable. You know, it's got its own lifespan. 2021 will never come back again. But how have you used it? Have you been efficient? Have you been effective? Have you looked at it with a point of gratitude? But just think about it. How many people have passed on in the last two years? Think about how many opportunities have, you know, flown past us because of the situation we found ourselves in. And this is what I was telling somebody is, there was a time in our life we'd take it for granted coming to church. You know, we'd be dragged to come to church. We'd show up because I need to tick a box. I need to look politically correct. I don't want anybody to be asking me questions. Then one day, 
It's a shutdown. Never in our imagination it would happen in our lifetime. Perhaps maybe things that we heard of times gone by. Maybe over 100 years ago when we had a plague or something like that. But he just told me something. November 2021, we're here. In the next month, we wrap up 2021. It's gone. It's never going to come back again. The question is, have you been a faithful steward? What have you spent most of your time in? And do those things really even count? Because I can tell you this. There are things that troubled me in my 20s. Today, I look back, they just don't make sense at all. You know, life has just a way of doing some of these things. Eh? Manzi, I had issues. Today, I look back, they're just nonsensical. You know, that's basically how time has a way of revealing certain things. And I thank God because of the benefit that I've had with exposure of people who have traveled down this road before. And they've been able to put some things into perspective. Sometimes I don't agree with them because of where I am. But somebody who's gone before you will be able to tell you a little things differently because either they've been through an experience where they made mistakes or maybe they got it right. And so I just ask myself, I have time, I can't control it. I have time, but the benefit I have is I can determine how I'm going to use it. Right? And then also at the same time, this resource that God has given me, it can turn out to be a blessing or it can be a curse at the same time. As you shocked when I came across this info this week and they said, an average American spends about 4.5 hours every day on social media. I don't know whether they're mining for data or for stuff like that. They're doing, you know, like this research looking for empirical evidence on social media consumption and stuff like that. They spent 4.5 hours. I don't know if we did a random survey over here. What will come up with? And you know what I realized is? This destruction that we experience, and it's not just limited to social media alone. It's a destruction, but the individuals were benefiting big time from that destruction. You know, I just imagine how you wake up in the morning, the first thing you reach out to is your phone, and then you get all those alerts and stuff like that. Somebody just shapes the direction of your entire day. I mean, from your own individual experiences, you can see how this has really taken out a lot of your productive time. And this is just but one of the examples that we can look at in terms of some of the things that do eat into our time. Well, it might be considered something that you're just wasting away, for somebody else, it's a huge benefit to them. And I'm just thinking about it now saying to myself, because I'm addressing myself in this conversation that we're having this afternoon. I'm looking back into this new year, 2021, we had it as we called it then. It was new. It's gone. It's time that has been spent. Time is spent. It's gone completely. I won't have it another day. Then I'm asking myself, what should I then be doing during this season right now? Because the end of another year gives us basically an opportunity to do some bit of reflection. And asking ourselves, are we on track? Are we doing specifically what the Lord had allowed us to do in the course of this year? There are myths and there are hits in the course of this year as well. 
But then also it gives us an opportunity to bury what we call the past, and then now we start focusing on the future. Well, you might not be consistent every other time, but that consciousness that you have this resource that can expire any time will make you live intentionally. You know those guys who call you and tell you, Aleki, do you have a plan tomorrow? Ama, what are you doing right now? I'm just there. You know, I'm just there, man. Then you come for a meeting with them. They decided what your agenda will be because you have none in the first place. And then guess what? Your eight hours, your six hours, they are spent. Because I was telling myself today, we spend a lot of time focusing on things that really don't add to our destiny. They really don't contribute towards moving us close to our vision. You'll be spending a lot of your time focusing on criticism instead of having spent that time in preparation and investing in your life. I was asked by my cousin's wife to write his eulogy. It was the difficult thing that I've ever done in my life. I did a draft, drafted again, redrafted again, reviewed it, you know, everything else, a eulogy that was going to be read. I mean, there are other people who would have done it, and they would have done it in a different way. But then I was told, I was like, okay, so what do I say about him? It was like, your own reflections about this guy's life. <laughs> and I had to draft it, and I had to be the one to read it during his funeral service. And it just got me to that point and asked myself, now that I've got, you know, this lifespan, you see, like even a product that we're just about to consume from a supermarket, there's a manufacturing date and then there's expiring date. Then in between, what you need to do is make sure that you consume it, use it, because past the expiry date, you can't use it anymore. And it just brought me to that point of thinking. And I'm asking myself, it was about like two full scaps, if you'd say, maybe like two you know, pieces of paper where we just captured his thoughts and stuff like that. And I asked myself, in terms of my life, would it just be summarized in just a piece of paper or just a two-minute clip? We're all different. But then I was asking myself, what is it about my life that should count when that expiration comes? I mean, it's a very sobering conversation because in Africa traditional society, we're not supposed to talk about death. Because if you talk about death, you're inviting death. Right? I mean, that's the reality. That's how we were socialized. That's how, you know, our culture is. If you talk about it, you're inviting death. Isn't it the reason why we don't even write wills? Then once we exit, we leave problems for guys who come after us. Because these are things that we don't encourage ourselves to talk about. But I think it's important as a church, as families, that we need to have this very sobering conversation. Because if events of the last one, two years are anything to go by, that reality needs to dawn on us. And I'm thinking about Psalms chapter 39 and verse 4, which says, Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. If you look still in Psalms, chapter 90 and verses 12, the Bible says, Teach us to number our days 
that you may gain a heart of wisdom. I mean, these are, you know, David was very emotional, even in terms of how he expressed himself in his relationship with God. And he really got to this point where he was very frustrated, he was anxious, and he was asking himself many questions. And he was saying, God, could you just give me an idea of how long am I supposed to be on this planet Earth? Because to be very honest, I need to live with a life that is marked with wisdom. Because the Bible says also in the book of Ephesians, redeem me the time, for the days are evil. To be very honest, if God allowed us to go through this pandemic and we are alive today, then I think we should make sure that our life counts at the end of the day. Because whether we choose to believe it, whether we choose not to talk about it, that moment will come, that expiry moment will come. If you look at Hebrews 9, chapter, chapter 9 and verse 27, it says, just like man is destined to die once, and after that, face judgment. You're, you're, you're all going to be dying at some point. We're all destined at one point to exit and to depart from this earth. After that, we're going to face judgment. And the challenge that God gives us is, to whom much is given, much is required. And the reason that we are alive on this day, during this particular season, is evidence enough that God is not done with us yet. He still has a plan. He still has a purpose. There are things that God would want us to do. And that should be basically the heartbeat, the thing that really consumes us. What is it that God really wants me to do with myself at this hour? What's in the heart of God concerning myself at this hour? Because what you said is very profound, that some of us may not necessarily fit in within the full-time ministry space. But where God has planted us, we are still in full-time ministry because you're fulfilling his purpose in that place. Whether I'm working within the media space, I have an altar, I have a pulpit from where now I minister to my audiences and also minister to the people that I work with. There's actually a confession that really moved me a great deal. There was a young girl just before I left K24. She was an intern with us for about six months and she was a Muslim. And she sent me a message on Instagram at some point. I think it was two years later. And she said, you are basically my role model. I watched you, and you influenced me a great deal. I learned a lot from you, and I really admire you. Now, that's not a person of our faith. They don't quite subscribe to our way of faith. But within that opportunity that I had, I was able to minister to her. Not by preaching to her, but basically by how I conducted myself. The Bible says that we are being surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. So we need just to be conscious of that. But just talking about the issue, about being conscious of this resource that God has given us. There was a photo that was trending recently of um, a picture. So Moi was coming out of parliament and he was flanked by Akinabi Ward. A couple of guys, and the only person who was alive actually was Kalonzo. And it just occurred to me, if you speak to millennials, they would never tell you they know it like be what. Maybe they might just at some point learn through history. And I thought, these guys were powerful, man. Almost 40 years. These guys were in power. These guys were 
influential. These guys were the big guns. I mean, they determined the direction of this country. But they're not there anymore. And that's when it just occurred to me how fleeting life is. Life is so brief because, I mean, you've asked somebody, Francis Letordo, they would, who, who, who is that? But these were people who were powerful, you know what? And that's the reality of life. There are times and then there are seasons. And that's the reality that God is bringing us to at this point. You may not be a 4-0 like myself. You could be in your 20s. You could be in your 30s. You could be in your 50s or in your 60s. But that is the truth. God has called us to be stewards of this resource that he's given us. So the question is that once you're going to be here, how will your life count then? So I just want us to look a few things about this thing that we're talking about in terms of time. Just hold on a sec. I still preach using my notes, so I'm not as sophisticated as Alex. You know, that's what I was taught when I did some bit of Bible school, right? You know, so you preach, because you know there were times when I was young, so I'd be able to preach and I would remember everything. <laughs> right now, I need to have a point of reference. Not that I'm that old anyway. And I'm just thinking about this, because when you look at where we live in the tropics, when you talk about this issue of season, it's not a big deal. But somebody who lives in the other parts of the world, seasons are a big deal. So, I mean, whether you're in spring, autumn, you're in winter, you're in fall, it makes a lot of sense. So, we don't quite really tell, you know, seasons are not a big thing. And I'm thinking about a season determines basically what you do, right? So, you'd find like guys around September in the rural areas, they would be now plowing their land, tilling them and preparing them. In the good days when the weather was a bit regular. The patterns were a bit predictable, right? So guys would be tilling their land because they know by the time it's mid-October, I think they're called the short rains, will be having them in the country. So they will be able to do that. So a season basically determines the activity that we find ourselves in. And a season happens, with, happens basically within a certain frame of time. And I just mentioned to you before that, you know, time is valuable. Time has, you know, a cost factor to it. It's, it's sort of like a currency, and it can be spent, and basically you can add value to it. And I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking about God himself, because God is the one who created time. Basically, God created the seasons we find ourselves in, because God doesn't live in our time, but he created all of us to live within a specific period of time. So basically, that's how God operates. And for every person that lives, all of us, we are dictated by a law that governs the seasons of our lives. And maybe I'll just refer this to Genesis chapter 41 and verses 29 to 30. It says, seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten and the famine will ravage the land. Jesus, even at some point, would say, you know, while it's still day, 
he was conscious of that while it is still day, right? And if you look at this, we could be like in the winter season, but what that tells you is immediately after the winter season, summer is coming. Anytime we see the rains coming, they usually come with a notice telling you, prepare because summer is coming right after this. I mean, it works both ways. And basically, Joseph was finding himself in a situation, and this is the context, in the land of Egypt. And there was a period where people were experiencing a lot of uh, a plentiful, you know, harvest. It was bountiful. And so what he did is, he was able to come up with a reserve that would be able to take people through a period of scarcity. And I just sat down and I thought to myself, what the COVID pandemic has taught me is that there will be a moment of bounty, then there will be a moment of scarcity. I mean, there are moments where I would not be in a position even to fellowship with anybody. You couldn't even visit your parents because everybody was conscious about public health and the risk of infection. What did people really feel during this period? It's been a period that a lot of us never prepared for it because we never had the benefit of presidents, because we never lived through a moment like this in our history. But it does something that everything is temporary. And that's why it's important for you to prepare, even the fact that you don't have control over time, it's important for you to prepare for that. And so um, I'm just thinking to myself, when, you know, somebody like David is praying to God and saying, give me the wisdom. Because what he's praying at that time is, reveal to me what I'm supposed to do in this hour. And I think that should be actually our prayer as you draw towards the end of 2021 and as you're preparing for 2022 and beyond. What's really in the heart of God for your life in this year? There will be a lot of noise. There will be a lot of distraction. We're going into an election season. There's so many things that are happening. But would you spare some moment and slow down and ask yourself, just like the sons of Issachar in the book of uh, First Chronicles chapter 12, I think verses 32, where it says, and the sons of Issachar understood the times and they taught Israel what to do. Do you really understand the season in which you are in for your life? Where, where does God want you to be? Where does God want you to have? This is your season because you had to be here in Embakasi. You had to respond to the call of God because he told you to be here in Embakasi. I mean, you would have just decided to say, let me stick in Gong Road. Let me stick in South Sea. But then the season in which God was leading you to dictated that you need to come to Embakasi and you need to start church. You never had the whole idea of how this is going to work out. But he had the entire blueprint. And as you trust and you believe him, then he allows everything to take shape. And I remember somebody like Noah, the story of Noah. I've just been reflecting on the story of Noah. And it's so interesting because Noah was telling people, guys, El Nino is coming. Guys, eh? cyclone is coming. The typhoon is coming. And guys were like, are you out of your mind, by the way? What's wrong with you, by the way? What, what are you, you're talking about building an ark. For what? But guess what? He knew the time is coming. And guess what? He's continuing to build, you know, building the ark. And guess what? The rains vindicated him. 
And we all find ourselves in those situations in life where God gives you a premonition about something that's coming ahead. And God, what God wants you to do is this, is prepare yourself. Because when God called you, he called you as an individual. When God is going to bless you, he's going to bless you as an individual. His purpose is so unique to you as a person. And this is what happens, right? When you're going through this process and it doesn't really make sense to people outside, you risk their understanding, your reputation. They think that actually you've lost the plot. But you see, you're walking with God because you're the one who had God. And as you do this, it may not be very... It's not basically what your peers are doing. It's not basically what your contemporaries are involved in at the moment. You, you feel like you're out of place. You feel like you're losing out on something. But you have this inner conviction in your life that I'm following the right thing. So as you go through this season and you're doing basically what you're supposed to do, it's just a matter of time before God vindicates you. It's not your business to go to try to explain to people to understand you or even to seek validation. Because you have this understanding based on your own personal revelation, this is where God wants me to be. And once that season lives and comes to the other, then God vindicates you because what God has said, it will definitely come to pass because his promises in Christ are yes and amen. He says, when I speak, I act, and when I promise, I fulfill. So you'll have those moments when you're conflicted and you're wondering because whatever is happening around me does not seem to be corresponding with the kind of conviction that I have in my heart. And that's why now you need to be very close to God, very close in tune with God, because as God is leading you, he's going to bless you. If you took yourself there, then that means now you'll have to spend a lot of your time to sustain yourself. And that's why it's important for you not to miss out on the season of your life. You see, like guys who live in arid areas, so if you're trying to do your planting and uh, your agriculture during a season where it's dry, now you have to supplement or outsource water to sort of like simulate the rainy season. And that's quite involving. But when it is raining, it just happens very naturally, right? And that's why it's important for you to identify that season and make sure that you don't miss it. And I think it's important because, as you're seeing here, the sons of Issachar really understood the times in which they were in. And so I just want to dwell very quickly on the bit in terms of the season of plenty and the season of lack. You know, when Joseph was talking about this, what I thought to myself was the season of plenty, which all of us at one point in our life you have to encounter. And you can tell so far, I mean, for the rainy seasons that you've been alive on this earth, there have been moments where you've experienced plenty, then there have been moments where you've experienced leanness. And so when you're looking about the season of plenty, he's talking about a season of ease. This is a season of abundance. This is a season of opportunity. This is a season of access. This is a season of privilege. This is a season all of us go through where God has really blessed you so much. Then cometh the season of of leanness. Let me ask you guys, you've seen, you know, appeals that have been sent out on social, you know, some of my colleagues, possibly. 
people in the entertainment space, politicians, even some of them could be even men of God, some of them could be sportsmen. These guys during their heydays, they were shining. And God blessed them during a season. In fact, I was telling somebody, I remember up over around 209, gospel was really doing very well. We were going, breaking boundaries beyond the regular church. And I could see certain musicians. And one guy who actually was not born again, he was telling me, this thing has a season. So, you come around at a certain point, somebody never really managed well that season God called them into. Then what happens? We're here asking for help outside. It's very typical. I mean, even recently, I saw a very popular politician at some point in the early 2000s. And the daughter was really reaching out to people asking for assistance. And people were putting on, you know, many comments out there on the timeline. But then I asked myself, if I'm a politician, I should know one thing, that I will not be a politician forever. I mean, Kibaki became a politician at the age of 30. But he had to retire at some point. And it just occurred to me, Alex, as this. When God gives you an opportunity to be on the stage realize that guys actually who were on the stage before you and they left. And your time soon will come that you have to exit the stage. Right? And every time I tell people this, when you see, because I'm not a football enthusiast, but at least I see that for the sake of news. <laughs> when you see a new signing, know somebody has had to leave that team. Somebody's out on retirement. When people are being signed up for jobs, no other people are also living at the same time. And the challenge comes in when you're going through this period of abundance and it never occurs to you that actually that period is going to come to an end at one point. We get so deceived and become very complacent because we believe this will be like this for the rest of our lives. But there are those laws that govern our lives. And that season at one point will come to an end. In fact, actually, if you look at uh, Genesis chapter 41 and verses uh, 46, it says, no, actually 41, 53, it says, and the seven years of plenty came to an end. There will be an end point at some point. There will be an end point somewhere. And I'll just maybe use your example. You've got your son and your daughter right now, right? You still have a lot of say over their lives. But there's a time that's going to come, they're out. You have no say over their lives. You can only advise, but you cannot, like, influence them to do something. You can only advise and you can only pray for them because that time has come to an end. And a lot of people don't realize that. And that's what I told even myself as I had this job. I mean, whatever I've been, is that at some point, it has to come to an end. I mean, really, Carol, we can't be reading news till today. Cindio, see, that season had to come to an end. Yeah, we used to read the news together. But then, time had to come, you had to leave. You had to leave me to push that for another couple of years. And that time has ended. But you see, a lot of people don't quite really discern the season in which they are in. They still insist and then the grace is not available. And if there's anything that has taught us, especially during this COVID pandemic is, 
I think a book like Who Moved My Cheese has made a lot of sense to me. We can't really insist doing things the way we've always done them because the circumstances have changed. The season is different. And um, I'm just thinking to myself that when I was a young man in my 20s and in my teens, you'd say so, yeah? Because my, my schedule was very regular. In Pastor Wange over... She's still at Nairobi Chapel down the road in Utawala. Wangeshi, Pastor Wangeshi. So we grew up together, and we spent most of our time in church. Actually, Monday to, fr to Sunday, church. Every day in church. We'd go spend time in church like you pray even for four hours, hang around church. We'd go to schools and preach and doing all those things. But as time has gone by, certain realities have changed in our lives. We don't have that regular time. That doesn't mean that we don't pray. It doesn't mean that we don't serve. It doesn't mean that I don't preach. But certain circumstances have changed. And if I never invested in my life at that point, then I would be struggling at this hour. Because whatever season I was in at that time allowed me to do certain things. But my season now has changed. My priorities have changed. My focus has changed. And I was just thinking this to myself because it's a challenge that I want to put across to all of us here. Because just like Joseph, right? And he's talking about this season of famine. This season of famine is uh, basically it's a moment of struggle. It's a moment of constraint. It's a moment of leanness. And I just want to use this example because I don't see any teenagers in the house. But all of us would relate this at some point. There's a day I was in Mombasa. I think we were just a year into our marriage. And uh, a very old Muhindi came and walked up to me. He was about like in his 70s then. And he came and asked me, but hey, how old are you? I think at that time I was maybe 31. And um, he just told, talked to me about his life as a young man. And this is what he said. That when he started, you know, his career, he had like a statutory deduction. You know, like NSSF. Then he had an employer who would pay his pension. Then he started off his own pension scheme as well. So he had like three facilities that he was investing in, right? Then he told me um, he was blessed. He was not bragging, but he was just advising me as a young man that uh, by the grace of God in the UK, he bought three houses, one which he lived in and two for his children. So he asked me, how many houses do you have right now? I told him I don't have one. Then he told me this. This is the reality about life. Whilst you're going to be in your first house, my son or my daughter will be going to the second house. So he didn't have that benefit because his parents weren't wealthy. Actually, they were kicked out by Idi Amin from Uganda. Then they went to settle in the UK. Then he told me, I normally come here once every year with my wife. We spend like two weeks or three weeks during this uh, you know, summer season between or September and October, and they enjoy themselves. So he was like, you'll have the benefit or the advantage if you start now. And I was just thinking about the wisdom of Joseph, how he was able actually to store for himself, because he knew famine would come at some point. And doesn't just occur to you that when we find ourselves in retirement or we are pushed into a certain reality of retirement, we haven't prepared ourselves. Because these are things that we don't talk. Uh, we say, a uh, black tax man, how do I even plan for that season? 
have to sort out my relatives, I have to sort out my immediate, you know, family, my siblings and stuff like that. But of course, we have to be the people who will rewrite this script and do things very differently. And that's the, basically the challenge, you know. It really made me realize that, that whilst you are in this season, you need to prepare for the next one. And every season would reveal whether you made the right decision in the previous season. Seasons have a way of revealing your choices. Whether you like it or not, the outcome will be there for people to see. You will not see it, but we'll see it. And that's why it's important for us to really take time, think through hard. Let's avoid the hard mentality and let's seek God to understand his heart for us for this time that we find ourselves in. And I'll just quickly, as I come to a close, take you through this because I just discovered life has four seasons. And I just decided to, you know, break it down like into four cycles. And I looked at the morning stage, which was basically the period between zero and 25. This is the time you're allowed to make mistakes. This is the time you prep yourself. I mean, there are things you can do and go scot-free. Yeah, this is that period, you know. It's your morning stage. Everything is fresh. There's so much leniency. It's a stage where you're preparing yourself, investing. It's where now you're learning so much and stuff like that. It's a moment where you develop your relationship with God. You don't have the baggage or the burden of responsibility as it were. You have that leeway. You're able to prepare yourself in that stage. If you notice something about Jesus, you know, while he was a young guy, you know, but he said, you know, you guys, eh? Me, I'm minding God's business. Yeah? And you could see something that happened in the next stage about Jesus' life. He was basically doing an investment in his relationship with God. He was in the temple. He was reading the scrolls and stuff like that. And that's the stage, yeah? Then we've got the other stage that comes in right after that, that other season, the 26 to 50. 26 to 50 basically is you prepared yourself, but this is the moment for execution. Because if you look at Jesus, his ministry was done for just three and a half years. He spent the preceding season preparing himself. Even if you look even at our country at some point, all those guys became like presidents, not presidents, but basically senior politicians and government officials at that stage in their lives. So it's a season where God allows us now to focus on executing the thing that you are being prepared for. And we need to have that consciousness of this season where we find ourselves in. And we go to the next stage where you're looking at 51 to 75. Know that I'm there. But these are things that I've been reflecting upon. And this is the period, is your stage of legacy. Basically, the things that you've built, whether it's an institution or the individuals that you have developed. The relationships that you built at a particular time in your life. You've been investing in that. That's your legacy. Your children are your legacy, basically, because they reflect the decisions you made, the investment you made in their lives. Whether they decided to do whatever you set them up to do, it's up to them. But of course, that is basically reflected in their lives. It's your stage of legacy. It's a stage where God allows us to have maximum impact. 
It's a stage where people are becoming thought and opinion leaders. It's, I think mostly even at that point where people are actually even awarded like Nobel Peace Prizes. And I told myself, I've never seen a, a recipient of the prize who was just somebody who was outtaking, but they were basically giving. And it's at that point now that their lives are being recognized. We'll get to that point definitely. And then when you just come right after that, is basically where God takes you to the stage of rest by his grace. If you remember the guys like Akina Billy Graham, even right now somebody like Kibaki, you think about even the great men of the faith, anywhere, I mean it could be even in the corporate scene, God takes you th through this period of stage because you have labored over the years, you have done your time, it's now your time to rest. What really bothers me is basically seeing somebody in their 20s and 30s trying to live as somebody who's in their 60s and 70s. It's okay, we could be playing golf, but this is my period of productivity. I mean, people are in, you know, people are working, but you, you are there playing range in the course of the week because you really want to fit in within that season. The people in that season have done their time, but now it's your time to labor and to develop that legacy that you want to have. So, even if you look at Jesus, he didn't quit, I mean, he just lived for about like three decades or something like that. But look at the impact that he's had to date. All of us are products of that legacy of Christ. And that's what we're finding ourselves in. So, the question is, guys, how do you then make this dash count? This dash between the start date and the expiry date. How do you make it count? And there's something you said. You would be in Mjengo, but that's basically your sphere of influence. If you're a taxi driver doing Uber, that's your pulpit. That's your sphere of influence. You could be a teacher in a primary school, but that's your pulpit. That's where now you're spreading that influence. You're making a difference in the lives of people. And so we should never feel that we are so limited in terms of how effective that we can be to ministry. Because when it's all said and done, we exit here. I don't know at what point and under what circumstances I'm going. But before then, I should sit and ask myself, was I good and a faithful servant? Was I a good steward? Did I live up to his promise and his expectation? You don't need to have a mega pulpit. You just need to become impactful and influential to the people that you encounter on a day-to-day -day basis. And the Lord will reveal that to you. How influential then can you be? And so it's important for us to have that realization that we're living in a time, it's a precious commodity, it's fluid, and it's got a moment where it's going to expire. Then also at the same time, we need to ask God, what would you have me do during this season? Join us every Sunday from 11 a.m. at Trubani House off Airport North Road. Have a blessed week.